and I'm Apostle Baker J. Baker, who happens to be a doctor in psychology. And I have with me my favorite brother. Oh, I forgot. It's my only brother with me, Apostle Calvin Cook. So I want you to share this with your friends, share it with people. Uh, uh, he is doing a marvelous thing, opening stuff up for us. And you need it. And you don't need to be stingy with it. You need to share it. So without any further introductions or whatever, I want to welcome my brother and my friend, Apostle Cal. Hey, hello, uh, Apostle Baker. Praise God. How you doing? I am doing well, well, well. Right. And this is still his birthday month. I'm so excited, you know. Um, yeah, I think the whole, I'm going to the whole month. Amen. Huh? The whole month, I want to be treated special. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. You see, that's why I'm so sweet and kind uh, and nice well, to you. That's not true at all. But anyway, I'm glad just to be here. <laughs> Amen. I'm just glad. Where, where, where are we going today? You mentioned something uh, um, I, uh, I, I, I took you through the fire a little bit uh, last week that we must not make God uh, a common. What I mean by that, we must really maintain the fear of God in a reverential way. Because one of the ways God teaches us is through fear. He said, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of all wisdom. He told the people in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, hey, uh, I brought you out here in the wilderness to, uh, so that you could hunger and that you would thirst. So I so that you can see what's in your heart and that you might fear me. So one of the ways he was going to instruct them was for them. He already knew it was in the heart, but he wanted them to see what slavery had done to them psychologically and every other kind of way. They had no idea they were scarred and marred the way they were. But he also wanted them after seeing all the 10 wonders in Egypt, the plagues and the locusts and the, all these things in the crossing of the Red Sea, he didn't sense a fear of him. They still were more afraid of the Egyptians than they were of God. Uh, so, amen. And so uh, we have many people afraid of their 401k failing or their business failing and this thing they're doing more than they are and them not having a right relationship with the God of their salvation. If there's one thing I would be afraid of, I'm going to be right up front with you. If I stood for, for God and I never did anything he required of me. My God in heaven, I, will, I don't even want to live a day knowing I'm at odds with God. He was, re, he was re, taking me in my mind to review if anybody was with odd with me. And I said, yeah, there's a lot of people at odds with me just because of what, the way I teach the gospel. He said, are you at odds with any man? And I thought about it, and I was. So I called that man up this morning to let him know how much I loved him and respected him, even though he makes me madder than a 4th of July firecracker. He does. He frustrates me. But you know what? Frustration doesn't mean I don't care. I just I didn't understand the particular behavior pattern that I was experiencing. But I love him with all my heart, see, because because my my relationship with God is more important than my emotional whatever it is that I'm going through or whatever it is. My I can't I have to be right with God because I have to I have to be with him every day of my life. See, most of you, I don't I can't say most of you because that wouldn't be an accurate uh, statement. But 
I was ODing on drugs when God saved me. So to tell you the truth, if God hadn't saved me, I'd be dead. So I don't have a right to live Calvin's life now because he is actually my savior. He saved my life and gave me eternal life. And so keeping that in mind, I would be stupid to try to live something contrary than what he saved me for. Oh, Lord Jesus, I hope you heard me. And by Christ, I want to encourage you, don't try to live your life with his power, with his gifts, with his favor, his influence. You still got to live his life. He didn't save you to live for you to live your life through him. He saved you so he could live his life and you be a vessel and a carrier, the purveyor of his life. Amen. Are you listening to this? Now, let me take you in today because uh, I want to make sure I get as much of this out as possible. In my study, I, I've been studying about the flow of God. God does everything through flow. He uses rivers of water. And we sang it. We got uh, a river of life flowing out. And we, we know that God flows. And we know about the Dead Sea. It's dead because nothing flows. Many of us are, are, are uh, experiencing sickness and disease, virus and germs, because we during the, the virus thing, this attack, we stopped flowing. We became uh, stagnant and un, we weren't. We were afraid to engage people because they may give us something. We can't. We locked ourselves in and lost the flow of the life of God. And the devil's intentions were for you to get sick, because without the flow of his life. And sickness and disease and everything else, uh, you're more susceptible. Your your spiritual immune system breaks down when there's no flow because things get stagnant and things get stale when there's no flow. Now, watch that. This is, I wrote this is down here. It says, now, uh, there can be no flowing out of God as life from anyone who is not walking in union with God. So in other words, unless we get past the fire into the veil, past the veil, into the fire of God, until we come into God, then if we don't get what God has, remember, God doesn't take any flow from us. We get life from him. We get life flow from him. We get life supply from him. We move and live from his life. We're animated. I wrote this word animated down this morning. We are animated by his life. But you're not animated by his life if you're not in the holy of holy abiding with him. If you're just in the church and you got your gifts and you got your crowd, but you're not abiding in the life, then you will be animated by the gift. Now watch this. Being animated by the gift and animated by the life are two different things. Animated by the gift is the ministry of Holy Spirit, but animated by the life is the nature of the God that has the gifts that he gave to you. And so if you get connected to the life of God and the Holy of Holies, then from that place, when he spits you back out to the world, come on, watch this, then your animation will be like he was coming out of that place. And it won't be you, but it'll be Christ that comes out and presents the kingdom to the world. See, you get animated by what, listen to me. If you don't have his flow in you, then you will flow in the gifts, but you won't flow with his life. And gifts won't bring life to people. Only God's river of his life 
can animate people with the life of God. You should, everything turns green. The gifts don't turn anything green. I was, I was reading in John chapter 12 after Jesus did all those miracles. It says many of him saw him do the miracles and still walked away and didn't believe. So belief doesn't transform. Miracles don't transform people, y'all. Signs and wonders don't bring transformation. They attract people to give us an opportunity to get them into the chamber of change, to get them in the presence of their God, to get them out of the outer court, get them from playing church games and get them back to God's original design. He said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man can come to the father because the father wants to give you a life flow that will go back to the outer court and bring life to those that you are in a circle of influence with. And then without the inner court life with God, the body of Christ has no flow. And if there's no flow, you get burnt out, you get frustrated, you start tolerating the people rather than celebrate the ones that God brought to you. And you're just on your way down if you just tolerate the people that God brings to you. And you stop celebrating and you got your favorite ones because they give you what you want. They're the ones that always bring you a gift. And you don't you, you don't go to lunch with everybody. You go to lunch just with your favorites. See, what you've done is you haven't been with God enough to like God yet. You still are a, 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 a people pleasing person. Or a respecter of persons. I can tell who've been in the presence of God by how little crowds they get around themselves. <laughs> and they say, well, they're not up to where we are yet. Well, no, they never will be because you're supposed to bestow more honor on those who are less comely. Uh, to them, he says, bestow more honor upon those. So no one should know there's any uncomely people among you. As much honor as you poured upon them, they would think they're just like everybody else. But see, that's because we haven't had this soaking time with God and we're in and out for event prayer. We go in for an event. We get made at a conference. We go in and pray for the event. Oh, I'm getting ready to preach a sermon. Oh, Father God, let the people know, oh, God, about my sermon. Oh, Father God. Those are event really. That ain't got, that's not what I'm talking about praying for events. <laughs> I'm not talking about for you to become famous. I'm talking about for you to be changed. This is not about what we made church to be. Sermons, sermonettes, presentations, coaching. And I'm not against coaching. Please believe me, we need coaches. But I'm just saying, it's not about that if we coach and coach and coach and nobody's changed. It's not about that after conference, after conference, after conference. And there's no markable or measurable change that bring people to the stature. Remember, it says to the measure which means we ought to be able to measure the growth and development of the people. And to be able to do that is just as much as you're intimate with God, you need to be intimate with the people he set you to be responsible for. So you can't, you can't create intimacy with God and not have intimacy with his people. That's right. Come on. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yes, yes, yes. You, yeah. And, and if, if you got your favorites, somebody's going to be left out of the loop. Remember that song years ago? Maybe I shouldn't sing it on your program. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Here we go, loop de loop. Here we go, loop de loop. Let me stop. I, I'm sorry. I'm just saying. And so we we got to get back to the reality of what we're here for is not just to be having church, y'all. This thing is about transformation. 
This thing is about change. This thing is about the image of the sun. This is about bringing sons to the glory. The Bible says creation is waiting, waiting. And it says that you and I don't know how to pray for this waiting. You and I don't know how to pray as we are. This is where we got to be careful. We don't know how to have a prayer meeting about what God is about to do because he's doing a new thing and you stuck in the old thing. You're still praying in the old paradigms of prayer. God says, Holy Spirit prays the perfect will of God. He himself searches the hearts of the mind. How does God search the heart of a mind? In other words, he searches the blueprint that he placed in your human spirit that got born again. And he wants the Holy Spirit to come into your life and your spirit will yield to Holy Spirit. The problem is your soul won't yield. You want to be in control. You want to measure where you go. You want to make sure you have enough money. You want to know, you want to know how many people are going to be there. You want, and you're not interested in just saying, yes, Lord, and the rest is up to you because we still want, our souls are still trying to manage our spiritual journey. That's because we didn't spend enough time. We went in and out because we had a meeting. We went in and out because I had a vision and God gave me a dream. That doesn't mean that you just, I spontaneously just take off and go somewhere. Let me move on. So let's go in here. Oh my God. So the veil actually was a barrier uh, between uh, the veil, the barrier between man and immortality, because our journey into Him is an eternal is done for eternal purposes for us to be. Remember, He died so that we might have eternal life. That's immortality. Now we don't talk about this a lot. We talk about it in terms of the rapture, is that we only become more immortal when we leave the earth, but he's not talking about anybody leaving the earth. He's talking about you becoming like him in the earth. That's called, that's called transformation. Most of us don't understand that. We think uh, we're going to fly up in the air and the word air simply means the space where Satan has been the prince of the power of the air. And we're going to meet him there, which means we meet him to finally defeat him in his own space. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. So the God is so, so wise and when he meets us, he meets us in a place to celebrate with us the final victory over the prince of the power of the air. So he meets us in air. In the place of our final victory. See, our theology has been twisted by old Pentecostalism. It's yes. been twisted by Dakes. It's been twisted by Larkin, a yes. dispensational truth. It's been by, come on, somebody. I said Schofield. by Schofield's Bible. Come on, by Christ. Schofield bought that whole thing from somebody, from a Jesuit priest. Are you listening? Darby and all those guys. Those guys came up with this stuff. And years and years after Christianity had been going, they inserted it in there. And yes. some people bought it and said, it's the truth out of heaven. It's not. It's not. It didn't come. It came out of Kevin and them. It didn't come out of heaven. That's right. And so we have pushed this and pushed this and overlooked the very fact that God says, no, 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 my kingdom must come. Yes. And I'm going to prove it to you because he says, the kingdom's going to come. Come on, somebody. And the king. Yes. And I'm going to take Jesus and set him down at the right hand of God, Ephesians chapter 2. But I'm going to set you in the first Corinthians chapter 2, uh, uh, 5, and I'm going to set you in him. And, I, and while you're sitting up there in Jesus, I'm going to be producing in you a new creation in this yes. factory called Christ. And I'm going to present what Jesus did in the form of a new man. And yes. you're going to see the son in all that was being made and produced in this place called Christ 
called new creation realities. And yes. one thing, there's going to be a sound out of heaven and a new man is going to rise up in a corporate presentation of the sons of God who are all going to have the same mind, move in the same spirit, move by the same frequencies, move by the same voice, move in the same power, move by the same grace, move synchronized together that we present the life of Christ as one new man. There'll be no more schisms, no more isms, no more division, and no more strife, and no more evil work in the house of God. Why? Because the people of God could finally gave up their fairy tales and escapism. Nobody said Jesus was going to leave two times. They said he was going to come a second time, not a come second leaving. He didn't come to leave. He came to reveal the sons of God so the earth could be lifted off its groaning for a corruption that it's been bearing under. Now, what I, did I get excited or what? I'm trying to show you something. Unless you go in here and abide, you won't get this download. You won't get it. You won't get it if you keep reading all this other stuff that was written without the full counsel of God's word. You can't take up. You must take the full counsel. You got to go back to Genesis to find out what God's intentions were. His intentions was never to make Adam take off and leave. Adam's responsibility was to have dominion over the entire earth, but he failed. But listen to me, before he fell in Adam, he was risen again in Christ. Do you understand that? Because Christ died before the foundation of the earth, which gave man to walk in God's redemptive purpose in this present day reality. So even though Adam fell in sin, because he was already redeemed, God had to give him clothes. He had to recover him and set him on a journey. Otherwise, if he hadn't recovered him, he'd have sent him out in the world naked. But he didn't send him out in the world naked. He sent him out recovered from the fall. Y'all don't hear me. And we have been redeemed in a greater redemption because it got played out in the spirit. Then it got played out in a natural realm on Calvary's cross. And you can't represent that until you get the flow of God's life that he gave Christ. Christ said, I come now, John chapter 10, to give you life and give you an abundant flow of that life so that the nations around you and the people around you, the ethnos around you, can come back to life. Because when Adam fell, life left the earth. And when Jesus was born, life returned. Yes, 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 See, yes, yes. Yeah, we can't play these games here. We've no. got to get into this holy of holy place and learn how to abide. And I'm not talking about rushing in and out. No. I'm not talking about rushing in and out because I don't have an agenda with God. God is my agenda. God asked me to write a book. I said, well, what do you want me to write? He said, I don't want it to be really a book book. I want it to be a statement from me through this book. And don't try to make a book out of it. Then he showed me what uh, uh, artist to call. He told me to call David Munoz out of Kansas City. He said, have him draw out cover on this thing. And, and, and then I want you, when you see the cover, then see this, I already started writing on the little time I was away. But he said, I want you to, when you see the cover that David's going to do, it's going to inspire you to write what I told you. So God gave me instructions but I couldn't have got that instruction if I hadn't sat and still. I sit still for three days. No phone. Sit still. Then God began to give me a, a, what he wanted me to do. 
Now I got all kinds of things I think I should be doing. God said, this is this is this is the God thing. You can only pick up the God thing if you spend time with the God that has the thing he wants you to do. And you don't get to interpret the God thing through your culture. No. You don't get to uh, you don't get to interpret the God thing through your through your your gender. It's mm -hmm. spirit, it's a spiritual release in its accurate presentation. I tried to say this this morning that the gifts of the spirit are perfect. So if you're walking in the gifts of the spirit and you really are walking them, you're walking in a perfect place. Yes, yes, yes. If you have a mingledness or a outside design in the, the use of the gifts is to draw a crowd to yourself or brand yourself or start a ministry with the gifts, then the gifts are already tainted. I'm going to say that again. Anytime you're planning meetings to use your gifts, you already own, I, I believe you already gotten into a, a brand. Yes. Because you start giving prophecies on demand rather than out of command. And there's no prophecies in that Bible. They were all demanded by the people to prophesy. They were mm -hmm. all under the commandment of God to say this and say that at this season or that season. But today people are demanding the prophets to prophesy. And they are. They're setting up prophecy meetings just to prophesy. That's mm -hmm. on demand. Oh my God, I ain't mad at nobody. I'm just telling you, I know what the Lord spoke to me. Now, if you don't agree with that, I'm I'm teach, I'm still teachable. But in my estimation, nothing I'm is by you. you don't demand anything from God. I agree. I agree totally. You can't do it. You got to stop. You got these people that are doing that. You're, they're hurting themselves because they haven't even been obedient to God's little command to love each other as He's loved them, and they're gonna demand a man to give them a word. And they haven't done anything that God told them to do. In five years, they have never tithed. They're not giving. They don't attend. They come to church late with their nails done. It takes hours to do those nails. It takes hours to get that weave in your head. And yet you late to church every Sunday. You make church a secondary thing. That means you're not ready for the higher things of God. When you haven't been faithful in a little bit, how can God make you a master or make you a, a, the head over something greater? than where you are right now or rather you're on the golf course or rather you, you'd rather uh, do the things in the barbershop or whatever it is it has nothing to do with gender it's not just about women it's about the whole it's about the well, whole it's, it's golf course it's staying home on the game on sunday like the guys do if their favorite yep. team is on they won't come to church backslidden mm -hmm. rascals they won't come and and they I, don't come on the hook. I don't listen they could take their time if they want to but i'm not going to water down the word because they want to watch a game and their marriage is all messed up. The kids are all, all dis, 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 or let me get out of there. I'm starting to get an attitude. Let me get back into this thing for a minute. Leviticus 16 says this, verse 12 and 13. And he shall take a censer of burning coals of fire off the altar before the Lord and his hands full of sweet incense, beaten small, and bring it within the veil. And he shall, he's talking about the priest, the high priest. And put the incense upon the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat, which is upon the testimony that he die not. Now, it's saying here, unless the priest had smoke going over that mercy seat, then God would not have mercy and the priest would die. So there had to be constant intercession. Constant. That's why Jesus is forever at the right hand, making intercession. So the smoke is always there. Of his, oh, listen to me. Let me, let me, what, what did I do here? Did I change it? Okay. I lost my page here. 
Okay, so in, in, Leviticus, other words, in Leviticus. Okay, so it says, now, the mercy seat is the point of contact between God and man. Therefore, man, watch this. Man must be careful that he does everything according to the rules, lest the great power of God's radiance hurt his flesh. That's why I know people haven't been in the presence of God. They say they have. Because they come out and they can go sleep with somebody. They can come out cussing. No, 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 no. You may do it a little while, but if you've really been pressing in with God, he won't allow you to do that anymore. They're not really sleeping. They're not sleeping. They're exercising. Yes, yes. Exercising yeah. sex that only is supposed to happen between a husband and a wife. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I call it spiritual incest because you're sleeping with your brother and your sister in the Lord. They still That's your family you're sleeping with. I know you didn't want to hear that one today. Having sex, having sex is not sleeping. We got to stop. Well, I know, I know, but I'm trying to, I, just, I said sleeping because after they have sex, they're so tired, they sleep. And moving on out of there. Okay, okay, then we'll go, Frank. Go ahead, on. But come on, you got, you got about four and a half minutes. Okay. Uh, now watch the picture of the mercy seat with the two cherubim speaks of the realm of God, where God is his own witness Two being the number of witness, the ark and the mercy seat is the cover. It's the perfection of God's grace in the human realm. The overshadowing, therefore, is absolutely God. Not man can do this. Man's covering can't do this. No organization can do this, can produce a son. It's only produced by the shadow of God. That we see that in Luke uh, with Mary, who's overshadowed by the cherubim. By, by, but you know, in other words, the the cherubim are by pure the gold. The gold signifies the pure nature of God Himself within the human element, which now can bring forth the last and final act of perfection within us. This is not a theory, but the absolute fact that this is. It has its precedence in the order of God. When God wanted a reproduction of himself in the earth, he overshadowed a woman whose womb was pure, which is the type of the church that needs to have a pure womb to be able to bring forth a pure sons in the earth. If the church has mixture, if the church has the world in it, if the church has adopted the worldly music, the worldly dance, They've adopted the worldly vernacular, the worldly culture. If it's business as usual, you cannot produce a son out of your business. You better hear me now, you business-minded men out here building businesses instead of the house of God and his people. I'm, I'm not against building, but you can't take that mentality out of the world and insert it in the womb of your people when the only legal seed in the church is the seed of the Christ. The only legal insemination is the legal insemination that takes place in the Holy of Holies after being overshadowed by the presence of God. If you're not being overshadowed by the presence of God, you will produce a bastard in the kingdom of God. Yes. You will produce something that looks like your pastor or your bishop or somebody else. 
but it won't look like the sun. It will not have dominion. It will not have preeminence. It cannot produce transformation. It cannot produce a, a renewed mind. It cannot bring forth genuine healing and deliverance. It cannot bring restoration. It cannot bring forth peace. And lastly, it will not bring you to your rest. And without the rest, an evil heart of unbelief can come and you will fall like they did in the day of provocation a provocation because you're still trying to get god you're saying come now do this burn fire now now because you're not at rest you don't know that god don't need your help he don't need your excitement he doesn't need your enthusiasm he needs you to change he needs you to be reformed and transformed he needs you to be renewed in the spirit of your mind he needs you to be like him he don't want to be like you he want to get rid of you he needs you not to be in decrease, he needs you to disappear, totally disappear, and not be you anymore. Paul came to that. He said, listen, it's not I no more. I finally had an encounter with God, and I lost myself in him. And now in him I live, but I'm not expressing me anymore. I'm not a, a Jew, a Hebrew of Hebrews anymore. I could care less about that, even though I come from this high, great people. But now I find myself the least of all the apostles. I find myself a man of no reputation. Oh, yeah, I wrote a, a three quarters of the New Testament canon, but I didn't really write it. It's what I saw in heaven inspired me. I'm all his and he's all mine. And I'm so consumed by him. It's no longer I, but it's Christ. What I'm not trying to spell nothing, but I'm just trying to let his life be expressed through my life. I'm coming down to the final thing. I've run my race. I know they're going to murder me soon. I know I'm going to be martyred. But before I go, I want to tell you something. Oh, that I might know him. Glory to God. Because he had come to a place of transformation in the Holy of Holies. And we what? It, we've come to the place that we're out of time. <laughs> We have come to the place where we're out of time. I want that same spirit. I want that same excitement to start us next week. So this is Apostle Baker and Apostle Calvin. And I'm sorry. Come next week. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I, I, I was raised in Hollywood. Yes, I was.